Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Band Central Radio. In September, which is where we are now, many of us experience a back-to-school feeling that's on par with the January New Year's feeling. You know, we say goodbye to summer, we put away our white pants and our shorts, and we get productive after the August rest. You know, this can also be an opportunity to consider walking a new path, or maybe to walk the same path you've been on, but with new perceptions. If we look to forgive and forget, it can be a time of rejuvenation and healing. And it's in this mood that I invite you, our dear listeners, to explore new ways of communicating, using feelings and intuition and empathy instead of only thoughts. I'm Rob Freed, and welcome to Band Central Radio, where we broadcast from 12 to 1, the fourth Monday of every month, right here on WPKN, and on your audio device of, device of choice, anytime you want to listen via WPKN podcasts. Hey, thanks for tuning in. So this is a show where we reach into the nonprofit community, we get executive directors to come on, talk about their missions, and we get local musicians to come on and talk about their music and the music scene. We've got a really uh, a great show over in the next 55 minutes with trombonist and ethnomusicologist Marvin McNeil here in the studio with us. Hey, Marvin. How you doing, Rob? Good, man. And we're going we're gonna to interview Marvin, and we're going to perform a song together. We're also going to talk with Tracy Flood, the executive director of CLASP. We also have... Right here, general manager of WPKN, Steve DiCostanza here in the studio. Hey, Rob, Steve. Rob, how are you doing? Good to, good to be here. Good oh, to have man. you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's so great to be back. And so, you know, continuing on with the theme of transitioning from summer to autumn's new light, the question is, can we lean into being a bit more feeling-oriented and sensitive to what's going on with other people? You know, it's it's important that you kind of give yourself the chance, all of us, to to, to change our perspectives, to be more open-minded, and uh, it's some really something that I think WPKN can help people with. So, if there's any way you think we WPKN or Band Central can be power helpful to you in exploring new perspectives, please reach out to us. Now, speaking of a new light, last month, I don't know if you saw it, but the New Yorker magazine in their talk of the town section had this great article about our very own WPKN right here where we host Band Central Radio. And it was called On Air with the Greatest Radio Station in the World. Uh, excuse me. Can you say that again, Rob? What was that? What was that headline? The title was "On <laughs> Air with the Greatest Radio Station in the World." Now, Steve. Yes, Rob. <laughs> is it true? Is WPK in the greatest radio station well, in the world? Look, it, there may be some hyperbole, but we didn't say it. The New Yorker did, and you know, the New Yorker is famous for their fact checking. So I'm going to go with go with uh, their their. Uh, Impression of well, you know, WPK. Kinda, <laughs> okay, let me rephrase the question. Why is it true? How? Why is it true? And give us in the process a little update on some exciting things that are happening at PKN. Well, first, a shout out to Jim Motivali, who reached out and, and uh, set this in motion, this uh, article. Uh, you know, I think that... We are a lot different, right? We always talk about that we're inclusive. Uh, we have a lot of diversity. We embrace that. We're free form in nature, almost 60 years old, and we're still here. We're still sustainable, and we're still doing a lot of community engagement and outreach. So uh, it's very exciting. There aren't many, um, aren't many stations like ours anymore. There used to be a lot, you know, back you know, in the 70s, 80s, but, you know, they're they're disappearing. When you tie into the theme of using the new light of August, of autumn, excuse me, mm -hmm. the new light of autumn, to, to re-look at your perspectives on life. How, how, how would you say the programming at WPKN can help people mm. 
adopt new, new and fresh perspectives? Well, I, I mean, I guess the nature of freeform programming is is in, in that direction, right? It's uh, trying to trying to uh, expose uh, different viewpoints, different uh, points of view, different uh, cultures, uh, different uh, backgrounds, and 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 I, we really strive to have that diversity of programming. It's, it's not the, it's not going to be the usual. If it's talk based, it's not going to be the usual kind of talk shows. It's, if it's music, it's not going to be your kind of cookie cutter approach to uh, uh, you know musicology. And part of what mm. you're referring to when you talk about freeform is the fact that there are over seventy different DJs yeah. that are not audited. They actually have the authority and the freedom to select their own music, to say what they want to say, and to represent their perspective. And and so that's why we sometimes call WPKN an arts organization as well. It may not, uh, people may not just come to that conclusion immediately, but uh, we're really proud. And, and, you know, there's a, a high level of passion on the uh, part of the programmers, and yes, they have uh, the wherewithal to create and have a lot of freedom uh, with what they create. Fantastic. Well, I'm really psyched to talk to uh, Marvin McNeil here. Uh, yeah, it's good to have him here. Yeah. Marvin, it's, oh, a, it's a, yeah. honor and a pleasure to be here. Funky amongst... dogs, man. <laughs> Just, they're a great band, and, and it was really nice to talk to you a little bit uh, beforehand. And yes. Uh, we, we made some uh, connections already with uh, Joseph Chelly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, well, let, good to have you here. Let's, oh. take a short, let's take a short break. We're going to listen to uh, Oh, the Warm Feeling by Van Morrison. And it's a song that I selected because it really creates a feeling state for me and I hope you feel the same way enjoy
are listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN 89.5 FM and WPKN.org. I'm here with Marvin McNeil and Steve DiCostanza. And that was Oh, the Warm Feeling by Van Morrison. Uh, Before I get on to uh, further discussions with our esteemed guest, Marvin McNeil, let me take a minute on Band Central. Band Central believes that When people experience music, especially when it's performed to benefit good causes, their lives become more enjoyable and they also become more useful to others. And the main way we show this is that we we present themed concerts. We don't prevent them. We present them, Marvin. (laughs) Themed concerts that allow audiences to help local nonprofits. So since June of this year, we've produced six shows and helped raise $350,000 for local nonprofits here in Connecticut. Coming up on Friday, October 15th at 7.30 p.m., we'll be at Fairfield Theater Company with our Motown show to benefit CLASP. Wow. We'll be be talking to Tracy Flood from class. We've got Stephanie Harrison, Keith Fluitt, Tommy Mm. Weeks, Tim DeHuff, Scott Packham, and Mike Marble. Yep. All along with me. So we'll be performing music from The Temps, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, The Commodores, Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's going to be really fun and really inspiring. So uh, I invite you to hop on the FairfieldTheater.org website. And check that out. Then a week later, on October 21st, we'll be performing in Stamford at the Children's Learning Center, actually right in one of their uh, rotundas there. And I'll be with Anthony David and Gene Satini hmm. um, from the What Up Funk Band, and we'll be performing hmm. Motown and Soul Hits as a trio. So you can visit Band excuse me, experiencebandcentral.com to learn more about those dates, uh, sign up for our monthly newsletter, and you could follow us on Facebook at, uh, at Experience Band Central. I also play bass and sing uh, in some groups and have some upcoming dates at the Palace Theater, Reverie Brewing Company, Sarah's Wine Bar, Notch 8, Etc. So you can check all that out at robfreedmusic.com. It's now with great pleasure that I reintroduce Marvin McNeil. Interesting cat, a trombonist, educator, and passionate advocate for students. Marvin McNeil is currently pursuing his Ph.D. in ethnomusicology at Wesleyan University. His research interests include New Orleans brass band music and culture, African-American and black music, youth music, Afro-Caribbean music, urban geographic studies, effect theory, and popular music studies. He holds a master's in ethnomusicology from Wesleyan, uh, an MM in trombone performance from University of Connecticut, and a BA in music education from uh, Virginia Polytech. He is the founding member of the Funky Dogs Brass Band, which is a New Orleans-style brass band whose mission not only includes performing, but it includes giving back to the community and connecting with inner city youth to engage them in in music education and performance. Marvin and the Funky Dogs run an after-school program and a summer program through the Charter Oak Cultural Center up in Hartford. Uh, Marvin's married, and he has an eight-year-old daughter. Yes. (laughs) How did they do, Marvin? Oh, perfect, perfect, Rob. Thanks for having me on the world's greatest station. Thanks for having me, Steve. (laughs) You're very welcome. So let's start off. Let's start off. You know... 
You come from a music family. Why did you choose brass and trombone? Yeah. Well, interesting story. Actually, the brass chose me. I wanted to play the saxophone, and uh, coming up in uh, third grade, uh, we could look forward to fourth grade. We started band instruments in fourth grade, and um, my dad was a... a army bandsman and so he played tuba and i liked the tuba but the saxophone kind of grew on me but at the time like it's probably still the same the case it's, it's probably still the case now that the saxophone was the most expensive instrument to rent and so um and my dad knew that uh every band he's a bass player so he knew he knew the future and he said well play bass or trombone but he actually came home one day while we're making the decision and he had a trombone and he was playing it in the kitchen so um i was uh that was my instrument (laughs) ah so it was sort of uh related to family dna family dna yes and you know and when you started out listening to music Mm -hmm. what were your influences what 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 was some of the music that really gave you the bug right it was wide and varied of of course uh, at that time my dad's a who's a military musician, but he listened to a lot of jazz. So I listened to a lot of J.J. Johnson and then Miles Davis. But then, you know, as I grew into my own, I listened to a wide spectrum from classical music. I, I like, you know, Joe Alessi played the New York Philharmonic. And um, then we would listen to salsa music, uh, popular music. And, of course, you know, funk music with Fred Wesley, you know, and, and uh, in that realm. And now... You know, these days, you know, trombone shorty is high on my list and, you know, Wycliffe Gordon. But really, all the music's inspired me. I came up through a classical training. You know, I had to learn all the etudes and all the excerpts on the trombone. But, you know, I enjoyed playing in the big band and then eventually in combo setting where, you know, we would learn standards and things like that. So, Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. You know, I I, uh, I love practicing the Bach uh Etudes, the yes. two-part inventions yes, yes. on my upright bass. Right. So someday we'll have to in Definitely. the studio just mess around with you know trombone and bass, bass. on those on yeah. those uh, those uh Yeah, those I studies. spent a lot of time with the Bach cello suites and so you know, a question I've been looking to ask mm-hmm. is you know, when I introduce you as a candidate for a PhD in ethnomusicology, right. Steve, I don't know about you, but that's like one of those words like anti-disestablishmentarianism <laughs> that sort of makes your eyes gla- glaze over. Um, Marvin, what is ethnomusicology and why does it matter? And why does it matter? Well, you know, let's let's stick to your theme uh, today, Rob. You're talking mm-hmm. about a new light and, and essentially new voices. And, and ethnomusicology is actually the study of music in its social and cultural context. Mm-hmm. And so basically as an ethnomusicologist, you know, we examine music any and all music's viable, you know, as a social process in order to understand not only what the music is, but also what it means to people making the music and also what it means to people enjoying the music. And it's very important because it allows us um, to foster, you know, cross-cultural understandings, to help understand our differences and also our likenesses and our shared interests. And it can do so much to help resolve so many understandings. You can take it into the business world, corporate world. You could, you know, take it into negotiation. But, you know, you're taking the music and it's essentially an anthropology of music. So you're understanding uh, human expression um, wide and varied through it's, the study it's of music. It's interesting. It almost for a minute felt like you're not talking about music, but you were talking about um, a currency or a language. Yes, yes. It is in a wide and varied languages. And I think Steve kind of tipped on it earlier, you know, about uh, musicology in itself, which it was basically object study. So you would study the music, the structure of the music, um, you know, themes and variations and the history and, you know, who composed the music. But it didn't really um, expand the palette to understand, you know, the cultural uh, provocations, whether behind the uh, composer or the people that are consuming the music. And so what ethnomusicology does is it expands the uh, spectrum of study to help understand humans making the music, as well as the music, of course. And, you know, you can grab a historiography of music, you know, whether it's popular music or musics from East Asia, South Asia, um, Africa, and, you know, the Afro-Caribbean music. And so you look at the music and 
then you also put it in the social political context and understanding people. Yeah, it just seems like every phase we go through has its music, Absolutely. You know, whether it's the civil rights movement or what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how would you tie that in to spread music now mm-hmm. and, you know, how how spread music now is uh, serving youth in Connecticut? For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. Band Central has had a long relationship with spread music now and their, you know, executive director, Rich Wenning, is an extremely talented educator and visionary um and we've partnered with with spread music now on on a number of events and missions to 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 make music education more vibrant and and available in our community yes um Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how you know your your perspective on on spread music now and 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 what you what you feel you're trying to do in connecticut right well i'm going to start with a little story i think people like stories and i think i arrived at this point because i'm actually a product of someone who was afforded that opportunity my dad was a, a he was born in Baltimore, streets of Baltimore, and there were many avenues that he you know, could have taken, but it was through the g- generosity in the community and the um, access, more importantly, to music that he was able to carve his path. And he eventually became uh, an Army bandsman, served for 26 years active, and then 22 um, as the... Uh, the director of the regimental band at Virginia Tech. They just honored him at Virginia Tech. But, um, you know, I did actually ethnography with my own dad, you know, just asking him his story. And he spoke, you know, to those opportunities and the uh, community that was built with learning music. And so we jumped to um, my initiation into the Spread Music Now family. It was when I was at UConn. I started this group, which we'll get into in a minute with the Funky Dogs Brass Band. And we decided to share our music um, with the youth in Connecticut. First, we... uh, found uh, the urban areas, which, you know, maybe didn't have as much access and said, we wanted to share our music um, in a fashion that is um, inclusive. And it's it's more of a partnership down to the nitty gritty of playing alongside the uh, the students. Mm. And so not only were, was the program uh, generously funded by the Spread Music Now Fund, but we also had energy and we had... Um, access to the actual musicians. So the Funky Dogs went with me into the Charter Oak Cultural Center, and we had this after-school program where the students would play alongside us, and then we would give concerts uh, with the students alongside us. So I think, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, spreading the music and offering, you know, high-quality music education, the uh, fun in the mission of Spread Music Now does exactly that, but I also think it expands it to people engaging and I think it's in that engagement with youth and teachers and people who actually love music is where we we uh, facilitate a love and in out of the music as the guide point we develop relationships and as musicians we all know relationships are important on the bandstand they're important to get to the bandstand and they're very important to to generate excitement for our audience so that was a long answer (laughs) no no you know and and something that i thought of as you were speaking Mm -hmm. that relates to the first thing you said about how ethnomusicology in a sense is not even about the music Right. It's really in a larger context about culture. Right. You know, spreading music to particularly to underserved youth is not really about the music. It's really about helping them connect to wanting to learn. Absolutely. Helping them to connect to being psyched and sensitive about something. So it's really more in a larger sense about youth development. Absolutely. Youth. Um, we're, we're, we're speaking with Marvin McNeil. Mm-hmm. Here on WPKN 89.5 FM, uh, I'm Rob Freed, and this is Band Central Radio. Um, Marvin, tell us a little bit about 
uh, the upcoming Funky Dogs release and, you know, any other projects. Um, I know people are, a lot of people are really interested in the Funky Dogs. Right. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Funky Dogs, we're the Funky Dogs Brass Band. We started at the University of Connecticut and um, modeled after New Orleans uh, brass bands. And uh, this group is on the verge of releasing its third album and it's entitled Vertical. And all the music on the album is our originals, except for one where we do a tribute to New Orleans. And uh, we re- we've been recording in the studio all summer, and we hopefully it'll come out, you know, by the first of the year. It's going to be in, in production phase. And so I know our Bridgeport uh, natives are real familiar with the Funky Dogs, you know, you know, playing at Black Rock quite a bit. But most importantly, I think the, the gathering of the vibes, everybody probably remembers that. And I think that was a moment that marked, you know, the band's trajectory because they received the feedback and the love from, you know, a lot of the uh, the the, the um, music lovers to uh, to uh, give us the energy and the motivation to continue on to grow. But, you know, I just have to hand it to all the all the other band members. I'm just I put the group together, but I'm all along for the ride. They are the uh, the energy and the um, they have the vision to continue on to give back to the people. Yeah, and we've gotten to know you know Tommy Weeks oh, and Mike yeah. Marsters and some of the yeah. some of the guys with the tremendous uh, energy. Collins, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the record's going to be coming out soon, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, any any performances coming up that people should know about? And, you know, while you're mentioning, uh, if people would like to learn more about about you, uh, mm-hmm. is there is there a way that people can do that either, you know, through social media or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, even the Wesley website or what have you? Right. Absolutely. First, we'll start with our next performance, which will be next uh, Saturday. It's October 2nd, I believe, October 2nd at 630 up at uh, Mansfield, Stores Mansfield. They celebrate Mansfield Day and they're having us back and play. It's a free concert in the square. So come out and see us. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, funkydogsbrassband.com, or go to our Facebook page for more information about that concert. And you can also find more information about me. I'm going to direct our our listeners to those sites first. Um, But then as far as my research is concerned, if you go to um, Wesleyan Music Graduate Student, and you'll see... um, there's a site that has uh, blogs, and I have a blog there. You can learn more about me. And I also have a Facebook page, which is um, – I have a page. I'm not very active on it. <laughs> I'm trying to get my dissertation done. Uh, but eventually, once I'm into the uh, you know, the final phase of my dissertation, I'm going to revamp that and also put together a website with my research. But I'm really focused on finishing up my time at, at Wesleyan University. Wow. Well, that sounds um – just awesome. And, you know, I encourage people to uh, to also, you know, check it, check out the research as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ethnomusicology is much more accessible than anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and uh, so, Marvin, I would be delighted if we could uh, hear a little trombone and, and uh, play a little old jazz standard together. What do you think? Sure. All right. Let's yeah. Thank you, Rob. I think we'll go <laughs> Facebook Live on this a little bit. All right, we're going to go, yeah, let's go a little Facebook Live. Uh, I'm going to pull out my little acoustic guitar, and Marvin's going to uh, grab his his trombone. Mm Oh, <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Marvin, that was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I hadn't done that in a while. It was uh, so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Hey, y'all, here's a new segment that's about, I call the news of the benevolent. And it it spotlights causes and happenings right here in our community toward making the world a better place. The information I'm about to read to you is gathered by our friends at Fairfield County's Community Foundation, Hmm. um, FCCF, where the Band Central Fund is located. So to start, one thing to be aware of is that the biggest day of the year for giving here in our area is Fairfield County's Giving Day. Last year, 
broke records in Fairfield County's Giving Day, where FCCF helped 400 local nonprofits collectively raise $2.25 million from almost 15,000 individual donors. So keep your ears posted for the announcement of Giving Day 2022. It's usually in the first quarter of the year. Now, like Band Central, FCCF cares a lot about supporting excellent nonprofit executive directors. And I could tell you firsthand that these people are the hardest working people in the world. FCCF's Center for Nonprofit Excellence is now planning their 2022 Susan M. Ross Executive Director Institute named in honor and in memory of FCCF's retired CEO, Susan Ross. This institute will provide executive director training on topics keeping these leaders up at night. Mm. You know, the topics that that are most on their mind. So that's a really cool thing they're doing. So many of you who listen to the show regularly will recall that in June, we hosted a show with Alexandra Lage, who was the Beard Excellence in Teaching Award winner from 2020. Um, and she's this amazing classroom teacher right here in the Bridgeport Public Schools. FCCF manages the Margaret and Theodore Beard Excellence in Teaching Fund. And Did you know that the Beard Teaching Excellence Award is one of the largest teaching awards in the whole United States? Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was established by the Beard family who were long connected to Bridgeport and believe that classroom teachers have powerful, positive influences on our children's lives. So FCCF and their partner, the Bridgeport Public Education Fund, are gearing up for the 2022 Beard Teaching Excellence Award season right now. Hold on to your seat. Put your chin straps on. (laughs) Now, if you're interested in a specific area of giving, like the environment or teachers or women's causes, FCCF is able to establish what they call field of interest funds to provide grant funding that benefits specific causes. So you may know that you care about a cause and not know which nonprofit to pick. And that's something that FCCF can do for for us. And their newest field of interest fund is called the Immigrant Success Fund. Mm -hmm. The Immigrant Success Fund just awarded a grant to a cohort of amazing nonprofits throughout our region providing English as a second language classes. So FCCF's research highlighted the need to support ESL classes so important in helping immigrant neighbors advance in education and employment. Another really cool uh, charitable fund um, that's kind of close to our heart, Steve, is the Bridgeport Public Art Fund, which will support public art right here in Bridgeport. This fund is growing. So if you, you know, you care about public art right here in the Park City... Reach out to Fairfield County's Community Foundation and consider making a donation of any size. And lastly, I wanted to mention, you know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And, you know, FCCF has one of the largest women's funds in New England. And their fund for women and girls uh, is supporting a flagship initiative right here in Bridgeport called the EMI Coalition. EMI stands for Empowerment, Mindfulness, Motivation, and Education. The Mm -hmm. fund's partner is Optimus Health here in Bridgeport, and EMI is a research-driven program and a one-stop wellness hub for Bridgeport girls and women ages 12 to 49. I hope you have enjoyed this new segment, News of the Benevolent. Mm -hmm. And we will be right back with our special guest, Tracy Flood.
Hello, we are back. It's Rob Freed. You're listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN.org. And I am here with Marvin McNeil, ethnomusicologist and trombonist extraordinaire, and WPKN's very own general manager, Steve DiCostanza. So right at this moment, I'd like to bring in our special guest, Tracy Flood. Are you there, Tracy? I sure am. Good afternoon, fellas. It's really nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Before uh, we get talking, let me let me uh, introduce you. CLASP, C-L-A-S-P, for those of you who don't know, is a nonprofit that Band Central has supported for the better part of 10 years. What they do is they create family environments for people with autism and intellectual disabilities. And it was started by a group of families in the 1970s that had children with developmental disabilities, like you'd expect. But CLASP at this point in time has over a dozen homes, as well as apartment programs, to, to really enhance each person's independence, dignity, and so that they can continue their personal growth. Tracy has an interesting story because she started at CLASP in 1984 while she was working weekends and, you know, finishing grad school. And she saw this as a short-term job opportunity and later realized she was really magnetized by it and it was her calling and passion. And, And at this point, she would say it's you know, probably become part of her extended family. Um, I asked her and she said her favorite thing about CLASP is that it's really an opportunity to learn something new every day and to get to know so many amazing people. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And you hit the nail on the head. There are no two days alike, and that is what keeps it interesting every single day. And even after 37 years, I still walk into one of my cohort's offices and say, you can't make this up. It's the first time in 37 years we've ever had this come up. Wow. And so, you're, you know, I feel like I'm a professional problem solver at this point. That really, that's a lot of what we do is figuring out what works and what doesn't work for people. And, you know, our goal, as you said, is for people that we serve to have the best life they possibly can. And, you know, we've learned over the years what that means and what it doesn't mean. You know, I used to, when I came in, I was in grad school, and I I will admit I was one of those people who thought I knew everything. And uh, I have been shown repeatedly that that's not the case. But what we've learned, you know, we've we've morphed, and we still talk about independence, but in a very different way, you know. I've realized we've learned sadly along the way that life is short, and for some of our folks, it's shorter than we ever imagined. We have, yeah. you know, people who have Down syndrome tend to be very, very likely to end up with Alzheimer's, and so, you know, those li- those years where they're at their best. It's our responsibility to make the most of them because that that is what we have each day to focus on instead of instead of goals that we used to think about that were so traditional that you were going to independently do this and that and make your bed and do your laundry and clean the kitchen and yeah. all those. We realized, geez, if I was on my deathbed, I wouldn't be saying, I'm so happy that I'm independent at loading the dishwasher. I would be saying, thank mm. God for lovely friends I have that are surrounding me and my family, and that I've had a happy life, and I've learned to feel good about myself and connect with people. So we sort of kind of looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, actually, which sounds sort of, you know, textbook kind of stuff, but it really jerked a knot in our heads, and we said, wait a minute, these are the most important things, you know, doing those tasks independently or having a job, you know, they can play into it, but... Really, you know, the basics, obviously, everybody needs a place, a roof over their head and food, and they need to be safe. But the next step is friendship and family. And and the big one, which nobody wants to talk about, is sexual intimacy, which, you know, is certainly a challenge in this field where you have family members yeah. who feel differently about that. So walking that line, but but advocating for them to really be able to take chances in life and not always be expected to do everything the same way we think they should. You know, they really have to be a little more in charge of their lives than we used to think. Wow, you really gave us a lot to uh, chew on there. 
and uh, and also your heart and passion comes through. You know, before we're, we're talking with Tracy Flood, the executive director of CLASP right here in Westport. Tell us before, before you go forward, Tracy, let's go back for a minute. Just tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of how did you evolve to where you are today? Well, as you said, I was in graduate school, and I lived in Westport on South Campo, and there was an ad in the newspaper that they were, we had one group home at the time, and we were about to open one off Parkland, which, you know, less than a mile from my house, and I thought, well, you know what, maybe, maybe this is something I could learn something from, but I wasn't thinking of it long term, and I actually, honestly, I had lost my mother, and literally, she was my best friend, and my heart was in pieces. And we started moving these folks into the group home from an institution. There were two institutions at the time. There were over 3,000 people institutionalized back then. And bringing these folks, these ladies, into the Pine Drive group home, was it, it healed me. These, these women were so, you know, they looked forward. They didn't resent the fact that they'd been stuck in this awful institution for 20, 30, 40 years. They walked in the door ready to go, ready to love life, and and you couldn't help but have it be contagious because you know, they were very forgiving of whatever had come before and focused on the here and the now, and it, it really helped me to do the same thing. And then, you know, uh, gradually I'm a, I'm a type a firstborn Virgo, so I couldn't help it. You know, I uh, became the assistant manager and then the manager, and then my boss wanted me to become the clinical director, and I said, no, I've been here five years. This is my family. I can't leave them, and I'm really glad he pushed me, and he said, you know what? I'm not giving you a choice. I think you need this, and I think we need you to have an, have an interaction and, and a group of people who are larger than the six women at Pine Drive that you could help improve their lives. And it was the best thing for me. I got to help a lot of people move into the agency from places that were, you know, very often very sad, very challenging, and to help them start afresh. It was it was just wonderful and refreshing to be part of. So I also have this connection with all of the 85 people who live with us because I was part of their moving in and getting acclimated. And there's something very very intimate and special about that. And that's helped me to really keep myself grounded and focused on why we're here. Yeah. And along those lines, and, you know, and I know you work with a very small team and you you guys really do a lot. And we have, uh, it's been just a joy to be a funder uh, to CLASP in their programs and feel like one of the things we're doing is help, helping people that, that have a, a, a disability that can also be unlocked to be a bit of a gift. Absolutely. You know, and Marvin, I think you'd agree that, you know, if you think about musicians that either had something going on mentally or the disability that turned out to become great contributors. That, Absolutely. That were even. Absolutely. We're boiling it down to humanity and we're unlock, unleashing that from the inside. Yeah. What what are what are what would you say are like the biggest lessons you've learned in you know in thirty thirty odd years working at class? What have you learned? Well, I think I've learned that life is short, and so we need to prioritize the way we're helping people spend their time, and we're focusing it on getting to figure out what turns people on, and it may not be the traditional. I have a job and and I'm doing contributing back to society or I may be doing this. Sometimes it's people who are not able to speak and not able to communicate and voice what they want. And sometimes they have issues behaviorally when they're trying to express themselves and can't be understood. So trying to help people be heard and be understood yeah. mm-hmm. and develop trust. And then they evolve and expand. And it's just, heavenly to be on that journey i feel so excited by it i feel proud of it. it 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 taps into what i think of as whatever are my god-given gifts and allows me to put them to use that i feel proud of and believe me you know it's an old an old hack saying but i honestly still get more out of it than i put into it mm-hmm. and it, it's a treasure 
Oh, I feel so fortunate because I'm here. I am now in my early sixties, and a lot of the people that I went to Staples High School with are are retiring and all that. And I'm thinking that's not going to happen for a long while because in this field, that's just not part of the. You know, your payback is not financial, but it's yeah. in mm-hmm. many other ways. And I think not one of them loved their jobs, so they're thrilled to be getting out of it. And I'm thinking. I hope I stay healthy enough that I can do this for the long haul because it really is. And as you say, they are part of my family. The staff are, the residents are, their families are. You know, I, I work with people here for 25, 30 years. And yeah. we've, you know, we've all grown together. And we all, and as you say, we have a lean administrative team because we really prioritize our spending on direct care staff and managers, because that's where it needs to be. So we have a lean administrative team, but we also have been together long enough that we can wear each other's hats and we can finish each other's sentences. So it works. It totally works. And uh, for those of you who would like to get to know more about CLASP, uh, Tracy, we've got a concert coming up on October 15th, Friday at the Fairfield Theater. Why don't you tell people about that? We are so excited. We're really glad to be back inside and have a real indoor concert. We we had a great time in October when we did the outside concert and everybody had a blast. But there's nothing quite the same as being in the theater. And we, you know, I'm a Motown girl, so I will be on my feet the entire time. We are so indebted to you all for your generosity and your support of us and friendship and kindness. It's a great, I think we're a great match. We work well together. It's a lot of fun. Our residents just enjoy it. And over the years, it's morphed into some of them getting up on the stage and dancing with you. And so, yeah, so while the concert starts at 730, you can arrive early. The doors open at 630. And one of the things that will be available is... uh, an art show from artwork produced by the residents. I, for one, have a collection of art that I've collected over the year from class residents, and it's it's really beautiful stuff. So I, I encourage everybody, check out, either go to the CLASP website. What's the CLASP website, Tracy? org. As well, I really encourage people to go on Facebook and like us because I post almost every day, and it gives you a, a bird's-eye view of what it's like to live here or what it's like to be searched by us in our day program. And just there's nothing, you know, pictures speak louder than words, and you see the joy that both the staff and the people we serve are having. It's, it's, I'm very proud of that. So that's a great way to find out more about us. We do have an art program that has been just expanding and we will have some beautiful pieces some pottery as well as some paintings and that's where as you say you know you tap into that side of people and they surprise you with this talent that they have to communicate with a brush or with their hands um, that i i can't do well we can't wait to see you and robin and all of our clasps friends on october 15th Uh, We've been listening to Tracy Flood, Executive Director of CLASP. Tracy, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much, Rob. We'll see you soon. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So, you all, we've got uh, about a minute here uh, before we move on to uh, the next bit of programming here at WPKN. Marvin, what a fun show. Oh, yes. It's it's been a blast. There's no better way to spend a Monday uh, at the the beginning of fall but with you and uh, Steve here. What was your uh, what was what was sort of your highlight of the show today? Yeah, actually, I really enjoyed listening to Tracy speak because it puts it in perspective, but also it reminds us that they're you know good people doing good and to take your phrase everywhere. And it was a great opportunity just to kind of you know listen to her story and see what she does on a daily basis. I think the uh, close second would be just speaking with you and Steve, and you know kind of you know, getting delay of the land here. But I really appreciate the both of you, you know, for having me. And um, oh, I'd like our listeners to remember, you know, Spread Music Now. I didn't push the, that site, but go ahead right. and see spreadmusicnow.org. Uh, All right, Band Central, checking out. See you next month. Bye-bye. Support for WPKN comes from the Klein in Bridgeport presenting comedian Elizardi Castro on Saturday, October 2nd. Returning to the Klein for the fifth time with his all-new show, Mira K. Nice, a humorous look at relationships.
Castro draws upon his Puerto Rican heritage combined with American culture to entertain audiences of all ages. More information and tickets via thecline.org or by phone at 800-424-0160. Support comes from the Ridgefield Independent Film Festival. More than 30-plus films from half a dozen countries will be screened at multiple venues in Ridgefield, Connecticut from October 7th to the 10th. The Riff's mission is to present films to enlighten, entertain, and inspire. Everything from animation to horror flicks, stories of relationships, as well as documentaries dealing with the arts, music, food, and the pandemic. More info on receptions, filmmaker Q&As, and tickets at RiffCT.org. That's R-I-F-F-C-T.org. This is FC Buzz on WPKN Radio. A brief look at what's happening around Fairfield County. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our weekly selection from FC Buzz Events, the best guide to arts and culture in coastal Fairfield County. Find it at culturalalliancefc.org. Tuesday at noon, Join Fairfield University Open Minds Institute with Fiona Garland online for Forgotten Figures, examining the African presence in the golden age of Venetian art. Examine the forgotten figures of black Africans in 16th century Venice and learn about who they were and how they affected the visual landscape of the golden age of Venetian art. Tuesday, seven o'clock, at New Canaan's The Glass House. Enjoy a free screening of Brewer's Bohemia, preceded by a short conversation by the director of the film, James Crump. The film surveys a collection of private homes designed by the iconic architect designer, Marcel Breuer, for his most politically progressive clients between the 1950s and the 1970s. This is an incisive look into the roiling cultural milieu in which Breuer crafted some of his most groundbreaking residential projects. Tuesday at 7, the New Canaan Library presents a live webinar on Zoom, The Golden Age of the Postcard, with historian and author Mark D. Van Els, PhD. Who knew that the history behind the postcard could be so fascinating? Learn about the origins of the humble and ubiquitous postcard in the 19th century and explore the great postcard craze of the first decades of the 20th century when these little squares of pasteboard were much more than just travel souvenirs. Through October the 3rd, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., Brown Grotter Arts in Wilton is pleased to announce its exhibition, Japandi, Shared Aesthetics and Influences, exploring the common approaches between Japanese and Scandinavian cultures through contemporary art. The show features 39 fiber and ceramic artists from Denmark, Finland, Japan, Norway, and Sweden. For details on these and hundreds more events, check FC Buzz Events at culturalalliancefc.org. This was FC Buzz on WPKN Radio. Get yourself together. Hi, I'm Harry Minot. I was the general manager of this station from 1978 to 2008. Now... I host a program of antique culture and fat activism on the fourth Wednesday of each month from 4 to 6.50 p.m. You're listening to WPKN in Bridgeport. 89.5 FM, independent community radio, broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport. Also streaming at WPKN.org. WPKN.